0: Hey guys, I'm Lee. I'm a compulsive reader. Delighted to be here. Thanks for asking. And I see an old friend or two in the meeting. It's wonderful. Um, I, by the way, my hand uh, just briefly. Doctor did some work on it, trying to work on one finger, and he clipped a couple of tendons. So I had to go to full-fledged anesthesia the next day and have a tendon repair. But it's been very interesting to have this in meetings and supposed to keep it elevated. And someone told me in a meeting the other day that when he saw my bandage, which looked a little different, he kept wondering why this guy kept showing a submarine sandwich in the meeting. Uh, I mentioned that in another meeting after I got this and, and someone raised their hands and that looks more like a loaf of French bread to me. I thought, yeah, this is a Rorschach test for compulsive overeaters, isn't it? One of the things I always love to say, I'm probably an alcoholic family. I mean, I don't love to say that, but I always want to say it whenever I qualify because uh, so many of us in here are, we're not the first addicts in our families. I'm definitely not. Seems like everyone since Adam and Eve. Um, I determined I would not be alcoholic like pretty much everybody else. Uh, but I, by the time I was saying that, I'd already had my addiction since the beginning of my life. I somehow early on developed a primitive urge to overeat. It's just nuts. And by nuts, I just mean it's irrational. It's not amenable to logic. I don't have words for it because it happened before I had words. So this is this is a compelling, instinctive sort of urge for me. And while I can read books about how to lose weight and all that stuff, some of that's helpful, but there's a piece of this I need you guys for because I'll never be able to manage that all by myself. Um, I was, I was four years old when I saw a picture of myself in the sandbox with my shirt off with other kids. And from that moment on, I realized I was an alien because I was two or three times as big as these other kids. I was enormously fat as a little boy. I was on my first diet at age four. And over the course of my childhood and my adolescence, I was on some sort of regimen all the time, you know, doctors. uh, Some of you may even remember rainbow pills, where you took a pill every two hours that the doctor prescribed, diuretics, laxatives, uppers, downers, all kinds of pills that were supposed to keep you from eating. Uh, I had shots, extreme diets, Metrical, AIDS, some of you remember AIDS, my parents tried to bribe me with a horse. It didn't work. I didn't get there. Uh, started eating again. And what I really wanted was to get a tapeworm. I heard that in you know early part of the 20th century you could order one from Sears. And that was what I wanted because a tapeworm could get fat and I wouldn't. I could have olive on it. Uh so it was it was a rough time as a kid for sure. Um, i got to say, I I feel very lucky. I had a lot of support and loving people around me in a small southern town uh, who knew me and and really took pretty good care of me. Uh, But my parents were both alcoholic. My dad died when I was 11 of liver disease. And so that was really a nightmare time in my life from all through junior high. And when I got into um, high school, I was just really determined that that was going to be somehow a little different. And it was. I I do have some pictures from high school. My family lost all of our old family pictures. But I do have some high school pictures I copied from annuals and stuff. Uh, This is when I was a freshman in high school, about 300 pounds. This is a sophomore picture. Um, Obviously, I had put on a bit more. And uh, one of the things I appreciate is I did have some talents. I did have some gifts. And again, I had some loving people around me, which salvaged my self-esteem to a tiny degree. Uh, This is probably junior year. And um, this is when I graduated. I weighed 450 pounds by the time I graduated. And I had dieted my way all the way up there. I was on diets all the time. This last picture on my share is something I want to talk about a little bit later. I love this cartoon. That's me trying to figure out this higher power thing. It was a difficult one. Um, I would say, after I got out of high school, there are things that I had learned all those years starting working because I was determined I was going to be sexual as an adult. I didn't want to miss out on that. And I did start keeping weight off and not going back up. Uh, eventually got down to what would be called a normal weight. My family was kind of freaked out about it. I remember my mother saying to me at one point, Oh, Lee, darling, I'm so happy you finally dealt with this weight problem. You used to have to be so sweet and charming all the time, and now you can be just as mean and nasty as you've always wanted to be. I thought, whoa, mama liked me better fat. And a lot of people did. There was sabotage in my family with it. But, uh, you know, in high school, I worked so hard to be popular. And it worked. I was popular. I had my, my picture in the annual, big pictures a lot, Um, but my self-hatred and my shame were absolutely intense all the time. Of course, as a morbidly obese kid, I had many humiliations. I was vulnerable all the time to comments on the street. Mommy, that boy has titties. Oh, my God. I might have been feeling okay just a moment before and then wiped out. My brother's bless their hearts used to have a, ga- a game called blubber grab they would, one of them knocked me down and then both jump on me and start just grabbing and sometimes they had their friends involved with it too but you know th- it's humiliating to have that kind of weight problem uh, a difficulty buying clothes when i graduated from high school i wore size 62 pants and 5x shirts Getting past turnstiles, sitting in airports, all of the, all airplanes, all that stuff's crazy. I gotta say, I realized years later, after I was visiting my home, that I had really been surrounded by love there, but I couldn't breathe it in because like, I I worked as a respiratory therapist in Berkeley for years while I was going through graduate school. And we had oxygen tents when I first started doing that. And I remember being surprised you could put people in 100% oxygen and they still couldn't use it because of the damage to them. And that's how I was about love. I couldn't breathe it in. I didn't really know it was there. So I'll say, you know, my, I, I, I worked on my weight all, all with all those ways, but I was still nuts about food. And I think that started changing on August 20th of 1979. I got married in August that year, and that's still with me. And then I walked into Reader's Anonymous in Berkeley at uh, Ashby and College Avenue. And there was a wonderful woman in that meeting. There were a lot of wonderful women in, in that meeting. I may have been the only guy, Uh, but some of you in the East Bay may remember Jeannie R. And she was this incredible blessing in my life. I got to work with Jeannie for years, and and she was such a wonderful mentor. But, you know, everybody was good. Um, You know, I'd never heard people talk that honestly about how I felt. I'd never heard that. I'd never seen a place where someone who was having trouble with their food was receiving acceptance and love. I was amazed. You know, they said useful things like, um, let us love you until you could love yourself. Wow. Amazing. Shifting the focus from losing weight to addressing the compulsion one day at a time, getting it off the losing weight part and going, OK, what can I do today about my compulsion, my obsession? I learned from Jeannie specifically that this was not a problem we could nuke. That's it was can. more like, thank you, patiently tying together thousands of broken shoelaces over a long time. And I think that's been true for my recovery. So I had a lot of wonderful things about LA that I loved. And the God talk was very distressing to me. So I was like that dog facing the second step. Um, I couldn't believe people in Berkeley were talking about God. And and then, of course, they were cussing in the same breath. So I realized it wasn't church. But um, I hung in with them. And um, I learned that the hoop we have to jump through is wider than we think. I loved it. It's brilliant That. Always 12 steps are suggestions, not commands, because I'm a rebel. And if you tell me what to eat, I'll show you. And actually, I've learned, if I tell myself what I have to do, I'll show me. It's just very deep-seated rebellion. So the suggestions were brilliant. Um, I, I worked real hard on on higher power concepts. I talked with a lot of people. I read books. I heard things like, well, if you don't believe there's a power greater than yourself, just jump up in the air and stay there. Oh, okay. I heard, just suspend your disbelief. You don't have to believe anything. I realized I was a hypocrite. I worshiped a God. My God was food. And I had faith in it. I turned to it all the time for everything. But I like you here. I came, I came to, I came to believe. And first, I came to believe that you guys could get well because I could see it happening. And eventually, I came to believe that I could. It was tremendous, a tremendous thing to hear act as if because the first time I prayed was in a buffet line. And I said a prayer, even though I didn't believe there was God, I said a prayer. And I ate sanely for the first time in my life in a buffet line. I did not hurt myself with food that day. And that was a miracle. So I started opening up the stuff in the big book and the 12 by 12 of the AA program, which we, of course, used uh, that thing about most of us don't understand electricity, But we're very happy to have it, and our lives are better before it because of it. And I realized, oh, I can plug in. I can plug in. I don't understand it, but I can plug plug in. in. And this became my higher power. You guys are part of my higher power. My wife is, for sure. This literature, all the meetings I go to. My sponsees are part of my higher power. It's really, it's really wonderful how that works. Um, I'll t- say on this hand surgery thing, I didn't have a moment's resentment of my doctor. I think I understand why that happened. And I prayed going in surgery because I was nervous about it. And, but I haven't had to deal with resentment or forgiveness or any of that stuff because I tend to stay higher powered and the way I do that these days, I, mean, I think of higher powered as like being on that moving sidewalk at San Francisco airport. You know, you're having to walk, but maybe you're having to walk most of the time, but you move a lot better, get further. That promise that we suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves, I got that. At some point, my urge to overeat has been lifted totally for the last five years. And I'd never thought that would happen. I would never have had the power to take the urge out of myself. So nowadays, regular meetings, I read, pray, and meditate in the morning, starting with gratitudes that I'm alive. I'm 76 now. I should be dead. I stay in touch with recovering people every day. I do service. I have a sponsor, a sponsor, and during the day, I ask higher power to help me get through the day to eat sanely, not to hurt myself. And guess what? For me, it worked. It has worked out really wonderfully for forty-four years, and I'm so grateful to this program for it. So I was told we I'd introduced a topic. Out of step two? help you in your recovery. Thanks for inviting me tonight. Thanks so much, Lee. Overeaters Anonymous is